Have no fear, little flock, for your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. The word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'd like to hear a a loud amen for anyone who has already or is planning to go on some type of summer vacation of some sort, getting away to the cottage or maybe just for a day or two. But let's hear an amen for summer vacation. All right, amen is right. My family and I have been privileged to do that a couple times this summer with different groups, but this last week we were able to spend a couple wonderful days in Detroit. You chuckle. (laughs) I grew up outside of Detroit, so I guess I'm allowed to say that. Maybe not. I haven't lived in Detroit itself, but we did. We went downtown Detroit, spent a couple nights. We saw, and I'd like to show you some pictures of that. Um, Let's see. Is that uh, the Renaissance Center? Oh, no. No. Is that uh, Belle Isle? No. Um, Is that from the Comerica Park at the Tiger game that we saw where they won the game? Uh, No. Let's see, what, is that the people mover? No, that's not the people mover, um, that impressive mass transit system that Detroit has. <clears throat> and, um, oh no, I know where that is. That's actually from a church. We actually took the time to visit a church, maybe you've heard of it, called Historic Trinity, which is downtown Detroit on Gratiot Avenue. And this, this tile is in the floor of the narthex as, as people come into church. It, it greets them in the, in the floor. And um, although it's probably not historically accurate in the sense that Noah's Ark did not need any form of propulsion, so it most likely did not have any sails, I am told that this does in fact represent Noah's Ark. And that part of the theme of historic trinity Um, is Noah, Ark, and the Flood theme throughout. In fact, you can see at the end of the pew ends, there are individually carved animals into the the wood, animals that would have been on the Ark and so forth. And, And boys and girls, if you can guess, since we're talking about Noah and his Ark and the Flood, um, how many pews do you imagine this church could have? Boys and girls, you can cro- just call it out if you've got it. Otherwise, adults, you can too. I know you love to participate. So how many pews do you think this church has? You have to speak louder. I think I heard some different numbers, and I might have heard the actual answer was 40. And in fact, they're set up two by two, two, 20 on each side. So for what that's worth, of course, animals came in two by two, but there was also 40 days and 40 nights of, of the rain and the flood waters that the Bible tells us about. By the way, just an aside, uh, a friend of mine from seminary is now the, uh, the pastor at Historic Trinity, and, um, and that congregation has been around a long time, as its name would indicate, but it is not as old as this congregation. So I said, now, when, when I try to give some love to Historic Trinity downtown Detroit, does that mean I have to talk about my congregation as prehistoric St. Lawrence? <laughs> but, but that term historic has, has more of a significance in terms of the, the structure itself. It is really a beautiful church, and it has many engravings and carvings and, and all kinds of themes, but I couldn't help but be struck by that Noah's Ark 
and the flood theme. We heard about that in Noah's in Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith. By faith, Noah constructed an ark. Now, when you hear and when you first think of Noah and his ark, setting aside those images from that church, what does come to your mind when you think of it? Does something like that come to mind? I mean, how many of us don't have that at some image of Noah's Ark? Kind of a, a, a fairy tale kind of atmosphere where animals are sticking their heads out of the windows and, and Noah's there and so forth. I have to tell you, one of my favorite toys, and I still have to check with my mom, whatever happened to this toy? Maybe she gave it to one of my siblings, I'll tell you. But it was this plastic Ark that had the animals accordingly that could all kind of march up the ramp and go in there. What a great time and fun it was to play with that. But isn't this often perhaps how many people think of Noah and his ark? And again, don't get me wrong. It's great to bring stories from the scriptures into the lives, even to the very young. But there's a tendency, I think, sometimes to view this account from scripture as being as it's often depicted, as a fairy tale. As something that's a nice story maybe to try to explain some message or something, but that it really didn't happen that way. Well, if that has been your perspective or if you've not really thought about it much, as of one month ago today, there is an organization and a group that has opened an exhibit, I guess it's called, that hopes to change people's perspective as to whether the story, the account of Noah and the ark and the flood actually happened. What you are seeing is drone footage that is taken over the ark encounter, it's called, which is located in northern Kentucky, not too far from Cincinnati, Ohio. Dr. Ken Ham and his organization Answers in Genesis that also runs the Creation Museum outside of Cincinnati, on July 7th, one month ago today, opened up the Ark Encounter to the public. That is a, a real, if you will, replica of Noah's Ark. You see the scale? Did you see the buses and the people? That Ark is 515 feet long, 85 feet wide, some 70 feet high, has three decks, and guests are now bussed there so that they can see it from afar, and then when they get there, they are able to walk in and through the Ark. And it's filled with all sorts of rooms and displays that try to address the very questions that are very common. When it comes to reading the account of Noah in Genesis chapter 6 through 9 and addressing the possibility that this was not a fairy tale, but that it actually happened. I mean, what questions would you have about whether this could actually be done? Have you ever given it a thought or has it been one of those things that kind of bothers you to think, did this really happen? Could somebody way back then have built such a ship? Well, the whole point of the Ark Encounter is, in fact, to answer many of those questions. How could he have done it? Is such a ship seaworthy that was given the dimensions of which were given in the Scriptures? And answers are provided. 
How could there be enough room for all of the animals? Is it two of every kind of animal that we know? I mean, how many different breeds of dogs are there today? Well, those who study such things are able to look and study the, the language of Scripture specifically. And here's an example of how that question is, is addressed to say that the Bible doesn't say that two of every species was brought on the ark, but that two of every kind, or more along the lines of the family classification that, that many of us perhaps had to memorize in biology, kingdom, phylum, class, order, and so forth. And that, yes, differences in species have developed over the centuries. How did they have enough room for storage? What did they do with the waste? How did this possibly work? All of these questions are addressed. And if you're not able to go to the Ark Encounter, we have not been there. This was not in Detroit, like I said. And we'd love to get there at some point. But their website and so forth are places where the serious person who wants to study these things more is able to do so. Answers in Genesis and the Ark Encounter has done an excellent job of trying to demonstrate that yes, although we know that God can work in miraculous ways whenever and however he wants to, the scriptural text does not require that God did the building of this ark. That in fact, as it says in Hebrews, by faith, Noah, having been forewarned about circumstances yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark to save his household. Yes, God could have perhaps given him every blueprint that he needed, or he could have simply said, Noah, build a ship. And Noah would have done his homework. Would have used the knowledge of his day and used all the resources at his disposal to construct such a thing and to make it happen. Amazing to think of what someone who puts their trust in the Lord and uses the resources that he has given him to do what is asked. I don't think that's really that much different than how God addresses his people today. He calls us, just as he did Noah, to be faithful to him, to follow him. And although we may not be living in a time where there is an imminent flood, which, by the way, God said he would never send again, Although we may not be asked to construct something that we might think is miraculous in the making, we are asked to do what might even be considered the simple things, the everyday things. Living as a Christian is called to live. I don't know if you notice that in the Heroes of Faith chapter, the people that were mentioned, like Noah, did some pretty incredible things, and Abraham but did you notice the first one that was mentioned, Abel? The scriptures don't tell us really much of anything. He, of course, was unfortunately the first murder victim. But what had he done? He had presented an offering to the Lord. And for that, he was commended as being a hero 
of faith. Are we not called to do the same? Such simple, everyday acts of obedience and love God calls us to do. And that is what it means to live by faith. Do you have the kind of faith that does those things? Do you have the kind of faith that does in fact believe that scripture is in fact telling the actual accounts of history in Genesis chapter 6 through 9? That yes, Noah constructed an ark. That yes, two of every kind of animal was saved on this ark along with Noah's family. That they had provisions stocked up and stored on there per God's instructions for what would be much longer than just 40 days and 40 nights because as you know, the Genesis tells us that the floodwaters took literally months to subside and that the journey eventually ended up being about one year that they were on this ark. Do you have the kind of faith that believes that there was in fact a global flood? You know, there are many people that don't. Many people that see the story of Noah and the ark as, in fact, a fairy tale. And they're happy to point out what they would say would be all the things that are wrong and unrealistic and impossible about such an account. Even many Christians may fit into that category. Now only the Lord knows the heart of a person who truly trusts in him and knows Jesus as their savior. But yet, the very same scriptures that tell us of how God acted miraculously on behalf of humanity are also the same scriptures that tell us about Genesis and the story of Noah and the ark. How are we to determine? Who are we to determine? That this account is actual and this one is not. But one of the sobering things that comes with the faith that accepts that Noah did in fact construct an ark is what Hebrews 11.7 also says. It says that by faith Noah condemned the world Noah condemned the world in his process of building the ark. Those are powerful words, wouldn't you say? You see, if we do in fact believe that the account of Noah is true, then we also must accept that that flood was in fact a sign of God's judgment and condemnation. Now, just... um, Last week, I believe it was, you may have seen images like this from Maryland. Now, this was a, a relatively local flood, obviously. I think they got, what, six, hour, six inches in about two hours' time? And did you see some of the images of the water just rushing down Main Street in, in this town and, and cars being stacked up with mud and moved like you wouldn't believe? The power was incredible, blowing through buildings and just absolutely wiping things out. That's a... That's a local flood. This is a piece of artwork from the Middle Ages that tries to represent 
a tiny bit of the judgment of the deluge, as it's sometimes called, in which God destroyed all living things on earth. That is, in fact, what happened. What a sobering thing. And why would he do such a thing? We're told because God, when he looked at humanity and how every inclination of the human heart from birth was towards evil and how sorry he was that he had created humanity, that that is why he decided that he would, that he would destroy what he had created. Sobering. Frightening. But that's what God's judgment is for those who do not live as he calls us to live. Are we that much different than those who God looked into their hearts and saw that every inclination of theirs was evil? Does he not know our hearts? Does he not know our inclinations, our motives, our attitudes, our behaviors, our secret and our private things. Does he not see us as we truly are? We fall under the same exact condemnation as the people living before the flood. So why are we so lucky to be sitting here this morning? Why hasn't God continued to wipe out all who sin against him? Because, as you well know, in addition to God's law and judgment, he is, in fact, a God of grace and mercy. You see, it was by constructing that ark and warning Noah about such things that Noah became an heir of the righteousness that is by faith. It is the same ark that saved he and his family and the living creatures. Why would a church choose to have Noah and the great flood with all of the terror that comes along with it as part of its theme? Because it symbolizes who we are as the people of God, the chosen ones who have been saved by the very waters that have destroyed everything else. And that's precisely how Peter tells us to think about it in his letter. For he talks about the flood and Noah in his time was actually preaching the message of God to those while he built the ark. Unfortunately, apparently, not many, if any, believed. But the grace of God is still there. The very waters that brought destruction upon the earth, Peter says, are the waters that saved Noah and his family. And in fact, Peter says, these waters are, if you will, the waters of baptism. In which there is the destruction of of the sinful man. The destruction of that which wars against God, the, the sinful nature, and in which a new person arises to serve and love God every day. 
You see, that is the God that we serve, the God of grace and mercy who calls people into his church, the sanctuary, so to speak, that represents his salvation and which he calls us to go forth and to obey, to follow, to do the simple things. And perhaps even those things we think are impossible in our response to his love. And to bear witness to the world. To preach the message of grace in Jesus Christ. For that is what it's all about. God's mercy and his love. His unconditional forgiveness and his peace through any kind of storm or trial. So as we hear the account of Noah and his flood and we have questions and so forth, let us pursue those things. Let us find the answers. Let's use all of the scientific principles and physics and architecture that we can to examine Noah and the ark. But above all, may we continue to ultimately live by faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.